It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning What is going on, good people? Welcome in. Happy hump day to you. Time for the Wednesday, January 24th, 2024 edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, and Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Yes, the floor model sale continues. I'm sure with all the bad weather, you didn't leave your house. Well, now the weather's getting better despite the rain. It is time to go check out what they have to offer at Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware, where you can find just about everything. Coming up on the program today, we'll be busy. Andy Borman will join us, Memphis Tigers assistant basketball coach. That'll be an interesting conversation. He joins us at 8.05, as he does every week during the Tiger basketball season. Jerry Palm from CBS Sports at 8.25 is... Latest bracketology has Memphis as a seven seed. And to Michael Cole at 9.05 on the Grizzlies who return to action tonight in Miami against the Heat. Currently, it is 60 degrees. Cloudy skies. Occasional rain showers today. The high of 63. That rain chance is 60%. Tonight, overcast. Rain showers at times with a low of 54. Again, 60% chance of rain. And then tomorrow, cloudy with occasional rain showers with a high of 62. So we're out of the cold We've warmed up, but we still have a lot of precipitation. At least it's rain and not snow. The boiling water thing is 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 done. That has been lifted. Now you can drink from our uh, artesian well water uh, in Memphis, which is so delicious. So hopefully everything else is going well and everybody has their power and all that good stuff. As I mentioned, the Grizzlies in action tonight. we got some wacky things that have gone on over the last 24 hours in the NBA. We'll talk college basketball, some games from last night. And the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2024 was announced yesterday. Three additional Hall of Famers joining Jim Leland in the class of 2024. We'll talk about that. Got some college football transfer news as well. And as always, you can hit us up on the Sports 56 listener lines by calling in or texting in at 901-360-8255. You can also drop us a line at Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or on the website, sportsmemphis.com. That is the lineup for today. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. Yeah? like the warmer weather, but it is just sloppy out there. We need some need this rain to end, get some sun to dry some stuff up. Yeah, I was talking to a couple of people yesterday about the weather. Weather is always a topic of conversation. I said, man, can't we have like a 60-degree day with sunshine? We lose the rain. I mean, we lose the snow and the ice. That's great. That's good news. Back to normal, some some sort of normalcy. But then we get the rain. Next week's looking good, though. Is it? Hopefully they're right. Hopefully the forecast is right. What are we looking at weather wise for next week? No, next next week's supposed to be like sunny and in the sixties, basically most of the week. We deserve it. We deserve it. Zach, how are you this morning? Oh, we're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. I don't know. Both of you guys don't sound. As chipper as you normally do. 
You sound very tired. Well, it's constant. Well, it's raining. It's, it's hard. And again, just <laughs> mud and slop everywhere. It's hard to be. But we need, hard to be real, real excited need, about things. No, you're right. But we need to fire up everybody that's listening well, because that's they're probably feeling red the today, same way. So you can see how fired up I am. <laughs> <laughs> you always match well. Um, all right. So what what is happening in the NBA? There there is craziness going on. We're going to get to. The protests by Portland. We're going to get to the unbelievable breakdown of officiating in the game between the Wolves, the T-Wolves, and the Hornets. But the firing yesterday of Adrian Griffin as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks in his first season at the helm with a 30-13 and record blew my mind. There has to be something else going on. Either the players don't like playing for him, meaning the Greek freak, and I guess Damian Lillard in there as well in the mix. Something personally he did that hasn't come out yet. I I, I don't get it. I don't understand. They're not beating teams by 50. That's an issue. They're not playing as well defensively. They're 30 and 13. This guy hasn't even had a chance. This is the guy they zeroed in on in the offseason. This is the guy they hired. I'm I'm perplexed by this one. Um, they just I I mean they they clearly over the past I don't know how long it's been it there just hasn't been probably from the really get go of the season um a whole lot of confidence in his ability to lead them to a championship like they I, I it's a little bit of I guess buyer's remorse or whatever but mm-hmm. um. The front office just has not really ever been truly satisfied, it seems like, with the job he's done. Uh, a large part of that because of their performance on the defensive end. Um, you know, and, and you know, there have been comments by players talking about different things of what, you know, kind of almost like confusion of what they're trying to do, um, which doesn't play well to the front office. Um, so it's not, uh, again, when you look at 30 and 13 in your first season, you go, why in the world would you possibly fire a coach? But, um, they just don't, it just, it's clear that they just don't feel like he's the guy to lead them to a championship. And that's, that's what they're, <laughs> that's what they feel like they should be right now. And what they feel like they almost need to be to make sure they keep Giannis satisfied, even though you already signed the extension, um, they have to be contending for championships. And when you make the move for Damian Lillard, you did that simply to try and win a championship. So if you don't feel like you got the coach who could win the championship, I guess you, you pull the plug early and, Get your next guy in to try and give him a chance to do that. It's obviously the ownership's uh, prerogative to do whatever they want. And a lot of praise is actually happening for nipping it in the bud. As you said, buyer's remorse, making the move early, not letting it dwell and linger. But I still think there's something else. And it has to be from the players. Because you have the Greek freak, you have Damian Lillard. First of all, the players don't get fired. The coach gets fired. And second of all, when they're superstars, they're certainly not getting fired. They want an NBA title with Giannis. So Milwaukee's already, you know, drank from the from the chalice of the NBA gods. So they they have they have tasted the championship. They like that taste. They want it again. But I look 
overall across the board, I don't know if the numbers are worse defensively around the league, but they seem like they are. Scores seem to be out of hand. Last night, so who scored 150-something last night in a regulation game, I think it was? New Orleans. New Orleans. I, again, I, I think defenses across the board are bad. I'm looking at their last few games, Milwaukee. They've won five of six. They did give up 135 to Cleveland, and they lost by 40. That may have been the turning point right there, but Cleveland is the hottest team in the NBA. They've won eight straight games. They beat Detroit, but everybody beats Detroit. Then they beat Detroit again. Like I said, everybody beats Detroit. Coming up next, it's interesting because you have Cleveland on, you have Cleveland today, and you have Cleveland Friday. That's weird scheduling. Both games at home, if I have that correct. And then you have New Orleans. So it's a tough stretch for the Bucks. Joe Prunty will be the interim head coach for the 17th time in his career. The bridesmaid, not never the bride. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's, there's, there's something else. I'm not going to sit here and salute the team for getting rid of the guy. How many games into the season? What is it? 43? even though some are, I'm going to pan them for not doing their due diligence in hiring this guy. Did you not know what type of system he wanted to run? These are the best players in the world that you put out there on the court. They should adapt. They should do better. I'm not saying that that was the home run. I questioned it when they hired Adrian Griffin, but that's the guy they zeroed in on, and he is gone after 43 games. And now... The talk, the conversation, in fact, it was reported and then rescinded yesterday, nothing official, that the good doctor is back in play, Doc Rivers, to take over. Yeah, it looks like it's probably headed that way. I mean, they they apparently had already, like, I, I think it was at the in-season tournament in Vegas when they lost um, to Indiana. They had talked to Doc Rivers, and Doc Rivers had kind of become a They'd basically had Dr. Rivers as a consultant for Adrian Griffin. He said, fire him and hire me. <laughs> no, they had him talking, like, trying to help Adrian I'm Griffin. Kidding, like, I'm As, you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it started before the year. Terry Stotts, right before their season opener, stepped down as an assistant coach. Um, again, the defensive dumb, the, the defense has taken a big drop, which it was going to, you know, likely the defense was going to drop off when you get rid of Drew Holiday. And bring in Damian Lillard, like you're. That's you're. That's a. It's a net negative on defense. But they went from fourth last year mm-hmm. to 22nd um, right now. I believe it is in defensive efficiency. Again, the players kind of questioning schemes um, is that. I think that's probably in the end the biggest part of it. If the front office is looking at the numbers, they're not very good, um, especially on the defensive end. And then the players are questioning what those schemes are on the defensive end and everything else. Then um, I, you know, it's the the the, the crazy thing. To, I again, you got rid of Mike Budenholzer, who won a championship right <laughs> for, for this. Like if, if if you didn't if you weren't willing to stick out more than 43 games with the guy, you probably should have just kept Mike Budenholzer who had won you a championship before. Um we all going, question you're, that you're right? going to get hey we, we we would like a championship winning coach. Yeah you had one of those um that you got rid of for this guy. It it's obviously very weird. Um that's why I think but, these coaches something's happening where they're rubbing the ownership the wrong way that there's a little bit more than just defensive schemes. You knew exactly what he was going 
to do. I would imagine that when you interviewed, okay, what type of offense we run and what type of defense we run in, I don't know. You're, you're right. Budenholzer should never been fired. But Griffin is the guy they zeroed in on. Now you're talking about Doc Rivers. He is considered one of the top 15 greatest coaches of all time. He was a pretty darn good player as well. Three-time NBA All-Star Game head coach, NBA Coach of the Year in 2000, and an NBA champion. But last year in Philadelphia, Game 7, Sixers lose to the Celtics in the semis. Nothing to be ashamed of losing to Boston, but he didn't get him over the hump. So Philly canned him. So Doc Rivers was in the broadcasting. In fact, am I mistaken? Doc becoming the broadcaster, that knocked Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy out of the booth, right? Well, they got rid of them, and then he became... But, he is part of the number one team. Now. But did they know? I mean, was that already known that he was like, how did that work out? But anyway, I thought that, you know, those guys lost their jobs because here's Doc taking over. Now, Doc, good chance that he may jump back into the fire. Again, nothing official. Somebody falsely reported that was official yesterday. I think it was CNN Sports. I don't even know that still existed. But anyway, Doc Rivers looks like the guy, at least right now. But I'm just, I'm shocked. 44 games into a season, not 44 games into a season where you're 2 and 42, where you're 30 and 13. That'd be 43. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's if, you're too 40, early. if you're 44 games in a season and you're 30 and 13, that's really weird. Yeah, it's too early for math, my friend. But anyway, um, I don't know. You don't seem to be as phased as I am. Well, there's been talk. Like, he's been all year, like, there's been conversation around Adrian Griffin and how they weren't happy with him. Yeah, but so don't not- you think it's a player thing? Don't you think the Greek freak or Lillard or both, more than likely the freak, went up and said, yeah, this guy ain't it. And that's it. Once they, they hear well, that the- from the player, from the superstar, it's over. Right? Well, look, the players have been talking about his scheme. Again, that's why it's not really that surprising. The players have been talking about Greek Freak has made comments in media sessions about the schemes and like, what are we doing? We don't know. Like, so you could tell that it wasn't going well for Adrian Griffin with the Bucks. I guess it's okay for the players to throw the coach under the bus, but not the coach to throw the players under the bus. You know who's going to lose in that war all the time? It's going to be the coach. All right. So that was um that was a little bit shocking to me. I guess I wasn't keeping up with talk about his ouster in Milwaukee. And then you had (laughs) officials in the NBA. God, they're the worst. I'm sorry. I know it's a hard job. I know it is. They're, They're the absolute, absolute worst group of officials there are in sports. Except maybe some soccer officials. I kid Lawrence if you're listening. I kid. Um, The Blazers, first of all, are protesting a loss to Oklahoma City in which they had the lead down the stretch. Chauncey Billups trying to call a timeout as his player was getting tied up. They did not call the tie. uh, They did not allow him the timeout. He ended up getting, what, two technicals, getting tossed. They end up losing the game. They are protesting. Normally, you don't win a protest, but they're going to protest anyway. And they will lose. They have, I would say, a less than 0% chance of winning it. But it was very obvious he was calling a timeout. And they absolutely missed that one. Okay, that's bad. Not as bad as this, because this is egregious. They do that, what, two-minute report? They go back and look at the last two minutes? I can't even imagine if they look back at the 48 minutes of the game. The Timberwolves-Hornets game. That was the game in which Cat scored 62. And then late in the game, probably should have been a foul called against him. Well, no question a foul should have been called. Not against him, but on uh, a player defending him. He turned it over. They ended up losing the game. Charlotte came back and won. They went back in this two-minute report. There were 10 incorrect calls in the final two minutes. 
Ten. Not two. Not one. Ten. I could have officiated better. Seriously, I could have officiated better. How do you call? How do you miss ten calls in the final two minutes of a game? It's pretty bad. <laughs> but the, the, again, the one, I, like the one on his shot attempt with the five seconds, like, like the dude, like, like, it's as obvious as it gets. I mean, he clobbers his arm. Right, and you were talking about that yesterday, but... And actually, on that play, he was fouled twice, according to this. He was fouled early in the oh, drive, geez. and then on the shot. But the shot is, like, obvious as it could get. I don't... Like, that one is so blatant, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's not a... It's not a good look for an officiating crew um, to have 10 missed calls in, in a two-minute stretch. And again, we don't really know what happens to these officials how are they disciplined for being that inept we know in the nfl which also it's not real transparent but we do know by the assignment for the super bowl and by the assignments already in the postseason that what was his name mike um the guy screwed up a couple of times the ah. brad allen Sorry, Brad Allen. Brad Allen, yeah, did not get any assignments. So he was penalized in that sense, right? I don't know what happens to an officiating crew in a regular season game, but that's ridiculous. I mean, that's that's when you want to ask those officials on that crew to take an eye test, to get you know your eyes checked, to go through, um, I don't know, tests, as far as uh, the rules of the game, that, that can't happen. That cannot happen at that level. It can't happen at any level, for goodness sakes. But, I mean, I, I think a guy officiating a grade school game or a woman officiating a grade school game would not make 10 mistakes in the final two minutes of a game. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure of that. That is crazy. So we had all that going on, which again just piles on my thoughts about NBA officiating. But there you go. That was just a, a nutty night. And I didn't even talk about actual games that took place. The the thing that happened last the Portland game, I don't I don't blame the official at all in that situation. I don't I he's he's got a play happening right in front of him with a guy being double teamed and tied up. He has got he can't look certainly yet. He can hear Chauncey, can he? Well, it, 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 it's, I, I imagine it was probably pretty loud in there. I don't know. Um, and Chauncey Billups is, you know, 15 feet away from him. I, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on. I do not blame. That's why I get, I don't, they have a, to me, they have a 0% chance, less than 0% chance of winning this. Like that's. There's he, six he, ears, man. There's three officials. They, they couldn't hear at all. Well, the, None of them. The one at the baseline certainly is not going to hear it from half court. The one across the court's not going to hear it. Or the him. one on the baseline may be able to see him. He's he, that's not he's not be, looking at the, the opposing coach at the other end. Like, well, that's their job, though. No, it, I guess, but like, there's when things are happening and you're trying to call a timeout to bail your guy out of a double team. Sometimes it might not get recognized. Well, we had the whole Penny deal, right? Penny said he called timeout four different times, was not acknowledged yeah. the timeout. I again, I don't know, but you have to be demonstrative as a coach. I, I thought he was. I didn't hear it, but I mean, I saw him calling for the timeout. I I don't know. Um, but they're, like you said, the protest is going to fall on deaf ears. No pun intended. But when I said, yeah, we haven't talked about the action, that was action from a couple of days ago, the, the T-Wolves game. And then the protest game was, that was, was that last night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was last night. So it was on the court last night. And then we talked about just briefly 
New Orleans putting up a hundred. What was it? One hundred and fifty-three last night. Uh, I'm not sure the exact. One hundred and fifty-three. They beat Utah one fifty-three to one twenty-four. That's my point again about defenses. I, I don't know. Defense. I don't have the numbers to back me. I don't feel like doing the uh, research, but I really think that the numbers uh, are worse this year as far as uh, points allowed as a whole in the NBA. I think there's a. I think scoring is up for whatever reason. It might be. I mean, again, the the three point shot has continued to make it go up and up in the analytics world of we shoot threes and layups. That's what we do. Um, yeah, it, it's. I don't know where I haven't looked at to see where scoring averages is. But again, for the Bucks, the Bucks are doing it because it's compared to other teams' defensive efficiency. It's not right. po- total points allowed. We're giving up more points. It's, right. We went from fourth in defensive efficiency to twenty second in defensive efficiency mm-hmm. is one of the things they're bringing up. That um, so it whether scoring is up or not, that has nothing to do with what they're talking about. Uh, the Grizzlies tonight in action at the Miami Heat. The Grizzlies at 16 and 27. The Heat at 24 and 19. Of course, the Heat made the deal in the last uh, day or so of trading Kyle Lowry away to Charlotte and acquiring Terry Rozier. No word yet, correct, on whether or not Rozier can turn it around that quickly and he'll be in Miami and be in a uniform tonight? Yeah, I have no idea. I would obviously have to have physicals, all that stuff. I don't know that they would be able to do it that quickly, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything one way or another on when he will actually be available and all of that that good stuff. Yesterday, the NBA announcing players that have been selected for the Team USA roster consideration for the Olympic Games. There are 41 players on that list, the big names as you would imagine, but also... Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, Trip, no surprise, because he was with what the what they call it last year, the select team that played in the He's with Team USA. Team oh, USA, but played in the that's FIBA right, Team World USA Cup. that played in the FIBA, but more than likely, well, definitely that won't be the team exactly that will play in the Olympic Games. Some of those players may make the Olympic team, and Trip may be one of them. But Jackson, not a surprise. Des Bain, maybe a little bit of a surprise, but not to me. He deserves to be on that list. But again, there are 41 players. And if the top stars of the league want to play for their country, they will be selected to play for their country. Yeah. And the one big news, the big thing, Joel Embiid has apparently elected that he will play for Team USA. If he's going to play, it's going to be for Team USA. So that's a. It's a nice little addition um, to that list. But, yeah, you've got a lot of the veteran guys on there. Um, certainly a lot to be determined health-wise between now and when that team is selected of who will be able to go, won't be able to go, who has playoff runs and doesn't want to do anything. Um, but, yes, it's 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 good to see the veterans, a lot of the veterans on that list who, at least for this point, are being considered and will consider uh, playing for Team USA. But Desmond Bain, I mean, in those situations and that stuff, shooting never hurts. And he's obviously one of the best shooters. So um, as well as, you know, certainly can do a lot of other stuff. But just pure shooting alone, um, it's not a bad idea to have some of those guys around. And, and Desmond Bain certainly can fill that role amongst, um, you know, other role, roles for Team USA if he does you know, get that. And again, he's, he's probably a long shot at this point. But. Um, but it's nice to see his name get get on that list and that USA Basketball recognizing what he's doing for the Grizzlies. 
People were wondering if Ja Morant's name was going to be on that list. But with everything that's gone down, with the injury that is keeping him out for the rest of the season, I don't think there was any question in my mind that he would not be on that list. So I was not surprised by that. Well, and if he ends up healthy, he could still be added to the list. So this is not like the final list and they can't add or subtract people like this. You could add, but the injury, if you're injured for the rest of the season, I, you're not going to be on that list. I just don't know if he would have been even if he was healthy. But. I mean, there's only 12 spots. Not that he's not a great, great player, but they got to be very, um, you know, they, they have to be specific on on positions. And when you look at what they have at the point guard position, uh, what the possibilities are, I mean, Steph Curry is is still, he's, he's not the same Steph Curry as he was a few years ago, but he's still a dangerous Steph Curry, and you got him leading the way. And LeBron, by the way, who plays that point forward position with the ball anyway, who has not played in the Olympics since 2012 and is now, what, 38 or 39? How old's LeBron? If LeBron wants to play, LeBron's playing, and he's on that list. So we'll see if, if he wants to play. You talked about Embiid, Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler. These are guys that have played on the U.S. Olympic team before. Paul George, Kyrie Irving. So they're going to run back all those veterans, or are they going to sprinkle it in with some of the younger players? Uh, Drew texts in says they need to add a fourth official to the floor. I don't. It's crowded. It's like you know, we we don't want four hundred fouls called and <laughs> stuff like that. Like I, I don't. I no. I don't. Um, it's it's an impossible game to officiate. The fourth official is not going to really change much of that. It's still hard as heck, and I don't. Yeah, I don't. I it, I don't see that happening. And I don't. I when they used to have two going to three, I completely understood. Going to four seems like a, a little overkill, um, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, adding an official doesn't mean that they're going to get all these calls right. But I'm just. I, I would be. I would love to find out how many calls they missed in total in that particular game that we discussed, the Wolves-Hornets game, where they missed 10 in the final two minutes. Well, they missed 50 calls in the game? They may not have missed another one. Who knows? But I would be curious to see how many they missed. It was not a good night for that officiating crew. Uh, Big Band says, as a referee, the role... uh the rule is official doesn't see or hear the coach. We don't call the timeout. Yeah, again, and I don't. I I completely understand why those officials did not hear or see Chauncey Billups last night calling that timeout. It would. I I have no. I do not blame. I do not think that was bad officiating at all last okay, night. Okay, so let me ask you this: If the official, and we've seen it in football, where the official, excuse me, where the coach has to run onto the field to get in front of an official to get their attention. Would they have a pro- would this guy have a problem if he was an NBA official? If that NBA if that coach in this per, uh, particular instance, we're talking about Chauncey Billups, if he actually ran on the court toward the officials to call timeout, would what, you know what they would have done? They would have given him a T. Yes, they, and they, they would have given him a technical. Well, what are you supposed to do? Well, the players could call timeout too. Like he, the, the coach isn't the only guy who can call timeout. I understand that he's trying to bail his player out of a double team. Like that there, happens. There's, all a, the- there's a chance the officials not going to see it when the play is the player is literally three feet in front of him with two defenders around him. He's not going to stop. You know what? Hey, guys, can you hold up? I got to look at your coach, see if he's calling a timeout. He's watching the play to see if there's a foul or what happens. But and call the guard on the dribble, which was correct. three sets of eyes. They're Those not guys all, aren't looking, they're not all they, watching that. Yep. They're, all, they're looking at, there's also seven other players on the court. That are, they're not looking to the other end of the court to look at the coach either. Then, then you know what? Timeouts, I would imagine, are called uh, and, and granted 10% of the time. No, that's not true. 
they almost get it always right. They almost get – I mean, I, I haven't seen too many times where a coach has tried to call timeout and was not granted timeout. Normally, they're granted How timeout. How many times is he calling it from the other end of the court while his players double You don't think it's happened in the history of the NBA? It, it does happen. And it could also be quiet. This was probably pretty loud in the arena. I don't know what the noise level was for it. I would think when it's about to be a tie-up that maybe one of the officials kind of looks down also at that coach because maybe that's – What's going to happen? That coach is going to call a timeout. Yes, they bailed their player out of a, a logjam, or at least they thought they did. That happens all the time. And it's I, I, I know it does, but again, it also, when when the play is happening right in front of the closest official, he's not going to be paying attention to the coach. He's paying attention to the play. The protests will fall on deaf ears, as we talked about, but the reason they're protesting is because they have the right to protest, and they should protest, and that's the official's job, to recognize a timeout. A to recognize protest. a timeout. They screwed up. The official screwed up. They did. No, no they, they screwed didn't. Up. They didn't. They screwed up. No. It's part of the game. He made a correct call on a double coach. dribble. Then you know what? Not don't allow coaches to call a timeout, for goodness sakes. Let, let the players, and only the players on the court can call a timeout. Get rid of I it from the coaches. I would love that rule, actually. Okay, all right. We need to take a timeout. Uh, first hour of the program brought to you, of course, from uh, our friends at Ace East Memphis Ace Hardware. That's right. East Memphis Ace Hardware, corner of White Station and Quince is where you'll find them. That's where you'll find everything you need for any projects around the house that you need to get done. The folks at East Memphis Ace Hardware are there to help with all the supplies you need, plus a great staff to help you find it. Also, of course, the key fobs. If you need a new key fob for your car, don't go to the dealership. That's going to cost you a lot of extra money. Go see the folks at East Memphis Ace Hardware. They can take care of that for you. Of course, the big green egg and all the accessories as well. They've got that for you, plus much, much, so much different stuff over there you'll find at east memphis ace hardware corner of white station and quince you're tuned in to sports 56 mornings with greg and eli on real sports talk sports 56 and 98.5 fm add a little fun to your lunch break join johnny radio for sports 56 happy hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on sports 56 and 98.5 fm Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Hey, uh, a texter says that they should give the coaches an electronic button to call timeout. Could do like I've, a, I've read that, too. Could do it like yeah. a shock collar. Put, put, put <laughs> like, like my dog. Put, put, with that shock collar on the officials. Oh, somebody wants a timeout. But they're probably not going to feel it anyway. So. Oh, you feel that. Oh, never mind. You, you, ever, try, you ever put a shock collar on you? No. And plus, you could turn them up. You could turn up the power of the shock. Oh, we're really going <laughs> to hurt the referees now. <laughs> it sucks when you give the coach a technical, though, and he's got that button in his hand. And he's, <laughs> he's just zapping the hell out of you. Those seven timeouts going to be gone. How about, the, uh, the, how about like with the clock operator? How about if the official, how about if the coach turned to that person and they just hit a button, you know, just, you know, they stop play when obviously there's an inadvertent horn that goes off, but that's the horn to to um, give the, the coach the timeout that they can't see. Stops the play immediately when you hear the horn, just like it does when, again, you hear that it happened three times at a women's game I was, I was doing the other night, inadvertent horn or clock malfunction of some sort so they stopped the game immediately i was reading this from last night this was the the pool reporter brett dawson 
uh, asking the crew chief, Bill Kennedy, about that play. He said Chauncey said after the game that he tried to call a timeout. Why was he not granted a timeout in that situation? This is Kennedy. The referee in the slot position was refereeing the double team that was right in front of him, which makes it difficult for number one to hear and number two to see a coach request a timeout behind him. He has taught the referee the play until completion, which a double dribble happens, and he correctly calls the double dribble, and then pursuant to that, the technical fouls come forward. Yes, the slot referee is looking at that play. Do they need all three? Officials to look at that play because nothing else is happening when it's being a tied ball, a tied up ball. The other guys are standing around. One of those other referees can certainly look down at the coach because in that situation, in the history of the game, a coach has called timeout to pull the, his guy out of a pickle a billion times. They're looking at the other seven guys, they're doing their they're job. They're standing there. They're doing their job. They're, they're refereeing the other seven players. Part of their job is to acknowledge coaches no, no, calling not. timeouts. It's not. Well, then it's not for the okay. guy down at the other end of the court to be looking across the court at the. the the coach for a timeout. They're refer- they're doing their job. They're refereeing the court. They're refereeing. There's other players on the court. They're they've got their zones. They're refereeing. Part of the court is the back court, and in front of that back court is the bench of the of the team. You that's think going a, the you think, What do you think? One official all time is going to be looking at no, the coach only in that situation. No, they when you have they're a, not even paying attention to the double team. They're not. They don't. They don't care. They're refereeing their zones. Zach, didn't you say to me that you think that that was an emphasis, or or that they have been taught to check? The coaches or the coach in that situation. Like, I know, like, like I'm not sure what the protocol is as far as late game situations when coaches call a timeout. But in most cases, like the referees have granted timeouts to coaches in a late clock situation or like in football when it almost hits zeros or it or when it when it does hit zero, kind of like that split second situation. Yeah. They'll grant the timeout to the referees. Now I'm not saying that that's. That's necessary in all cases. That needs to be mandated in all cases. There, but it has happened in that in those situations. But in this one, but in this one, I'm, it's kind of hard because like the referee got his back turned towards Chauncey. So that's what I'm saying. But there's it two always happens. Yes, there's always the. It doesn't always happen that the one ref who is actually close enough to the coach to hear him has the play happening three feet in front of him. So right. he doesn't have time. He can't worry about the coach. Like he did, he's refereeing the play. So it doesn't happen this way very often. If the if the double team was on the other side of the court, very well could have got the timeout because this referee now could hear him because he's he he doesn't have the ability or he's not refereeing the play right in front of him. Right. He could also if he thinks he hears him, he can look at him. This one he might. I don't. I think I might have heard a timeout, but I can't. He doesn't have a chance to look at. The coach to see if he's signaling for a timeout. I want right. to. I so, want to see. Go ahead. No, no. So what? I think. I think the bigger, the bigger issue with this is that if Chauncey would have signaled timeout, then the, you're talking about the referee three quarters court down the other way. He could see. Oh, coach is calling timeout. He didn't. He's calling timeout. Well, he but said by him but yelling timeout. I thought he yelled and he signaled, he signaled it. As well, but again, yeah. that, that referee down there is not looking towards the bench because like, it's not. He's like has that's not his. In any okay. way, his jurisdiction. He, he he signaled and then he and then he screamed timeout and he wasn't granted. Okay, they didn't hear him. I can understand that to to a certain extent, but I I want to see that video and I would love to see. I don't even know if they have this um, this angle where I see all three officials because I'm going to bet dollars to donuts that once there is a tie up for that ball, most of the other players stop what they're doing. Right? There's not much they can do. I will bet dollars to donuts that. Three officials are staring at that going on right there. 
that they're staring at the tussle for the ball. I will bet dollars to donuts. I want that video. I want to look at that video. I want to see where their eyes are. Because obviously the guy in the slot position is calling the play. The other two, I know they're supposed to be manning their little areas, but nothing is going on during a tie-up. They one it of wasn't them a tie-up. It was a double team, and the guy was trying to get out it's, of it. It's, double it's still a tie-up. It's a tie-up. How's it, it a tie-up? Well, a tie-up would be a jump ball. A tie-up. Well, it would have been close to a five. It would have been close to it. They tied him up. It was a tussle for the ball, right? They, he got double teamed. He tried to yes, get a double team. Yes. He double dribbled. And he's trying to get out of the double team. Yeah, that's a tie up. That's what we call a tie up. So obviously, in my opinion, most of those other players are standing there. They're, they're not going to jump. This is not football. We're going to get a uh, you know a pile up and, and ten guys are in there trying to pull the ball out of the running back's hands. I don't know. I just think um, I think that's bad. Again, they're not going to win a protest. I think what's worse. And we talked about it in the first segment was the Wolves Hornets game, where again the two minute report indicated ten incorrect calls in the final two minutes. Uh, talk about the Adrian Griffin thing. Matt Texan says Griffin wasn't a bad hire because he worked under Bud. It's like Jaeger wasn't a bad hire here because he worked under Hollins. It's called continuity. Yeah, theoretically, again, like when they hired Adrian Griffin, it wasn't like him. Re- if you were going to get rid of Budenholzer, they, he made sense. But if you're only confident, if you're only willing to give him 43 games, you certainly didn't have a whole lot of confidence in the guy. And so it 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 ends up being a bad hire because if you only give him 43 games, that's that's a bad hire. Any coach who only makes it 43 games, you screwed up at hiring him. He he coached under Bud, but he can't. Did he not come from Toronto? Yeah, I think he was at Milwaukee, went through Toronto, yeah. and then came back. So they hired him from Toronto, whereas with Jaeger, wasn't he elevated from within? I'm trying to remember all this. But yeah, I thought Griffin had come from Toronto. So yes, he had that history, but they went they they zeroed in on that guy. That was the guy they wanted. And again, if you feel that you made the mistake, even if it's 30, 40, 50 games into the season, that's your prerogative as an owner. But to me, to me, it seems like the players, the superstars, and you who you know who they are, the Greek freak and, and Damian Lillard, probably went to management and said, it's not working with this guy. Um Raider right, course says there were reports that Griffin yelled at Stotts to join a team huddle, which contributed to him resigning and Portis challenged him to a fight in the locker room. I do remember something with Bobby Portis. He challenged uh, him to a fight. It's a player's league. Yeah. Yes. The, the Terry Stotts thing was without question the beginning of the downfall because Stotts was the veteran head coach on the bench to, you know, theoretically help Adrian Griffin through this. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when he resigns right before the season starts, it was also the guy who had coached Damian Lillard. Um, for all those years. In Portland, right. So you're like, it, Stotts was a big part of this. When Stotts resigns, that doesn't look good for Adrian Griffin right there because this is the guy they kind of brought in to help you and now you've run him off, basically. So it that was that was the the probably the first domino of all of this was the Stotts resignation. But what are we saying here? Are we saying that Adrian Griffin, as soon as he took over as head coach, did things differently than what they expected him to do. That he changed everything. He changed his demeanor. He changed his coaching style. You got to figure they did their due diligence in hiring the guy. They knew who he was, first of all. They zeroed in on him. They wanted the guy. They brought him in. And all of a sudden, he changed everything about himself. I mean, it, Stotts got rubbed the wrong wrong way. He had been a head coach for so many years. I mean, I wasn't privy to that that 
altercation. And as far as I had no idea about a guy threatening to, to fight him, but if a player is threatening the, the, to fight him, and the players, you lose the players, you lose your job. That's it. That's why I said this comes down to, I guarantee you, the players don't want to play for the guy. That's it. It's either that or it's, and I don't think it is in this situation, but you got an Ineadoka situation, something that happens away from the court. That's how these guys lose their job, either that or inept performance. And I don't think 30 and 13 is inept performance. They may not be happy with the way they play defense, but 30, as long as you win, right? As long as you win. Memphis was fine, the Tigers, when they were winning all those close games, but now they start to lose those close games. It's a whole different ball game. Well, Milwaukee was winning despite maybe not playing up to snuff. That's not the problem. That's the excuse. That's the crutch. The problem is that the players didn't want to play for Adrian Griffin. That's my opinion. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about yesterday's big news in Major League Baseball, the Hall of Fame class of 2024. Andy Borman joins us at 805, Memphis Tigers assistant basketball coach. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, a great option for lunch or for dinner. And if you need an event catered, anything coming up, whether it be this spring, graduation, parties, any type of uh, catering for tailgating, you're getting together for a Super Bowl party, think Corky's. They have been catering for as long as they've been in existence, which is nearly, nearly 40 years here serving the great folks of Memphis and the Mid-South. You can dine in at any of their four locations. You can also have the no-contact delivery, just drive through, pick up your order, or have any of the services delivered to your home or office. They're located at Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, Goodman Road in Olive Branch. Delicious barbecue. The ribs are fantastic. Barbecue nachos. They got great wings as well. Cheese and sausage plates. Also, if you want to go outside the barbecue family, they have an award-winning catfish plate. They have tamales, big juicy hamburgers, great desserts as well. And the rolls you get with your entrees are the best in town. Corky's gift card is always a welcome sight for somebody. If you're not sure of uh, what to get somebody for their birthday, hey, how about hand them a couple of Corky's uh, barbecue ribs and barbecue gift cards to use at their leisure. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue also at the Cordova and Olive Branch locations have a private party room that you can use. Just call up and reserve your time and date. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I said yesterday that I thought the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2024 would be large. It's fairly large. It could have been larger you got to feel bad for Billy Wagner, 73.8%. He missed by 1.2%. Wagner denied entry into the hallowed halls of Cooperstown. However, Adrian Beltre getting 95% of the votes, a no-brainer in his first time on the ballot. Joe Maurer barely made it by four votes, but it was his first time on the ballot. Joe Maurer, who was a three-time batting champion, And Todd Helton, the former University of Tennessee 
backup quarterback, I believe, to Peyton Manning. In his sixth try, the five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, he gets in. Yesterday I was saying, I don't know about Helton. And then I looked up his numbers and I said, yeah, Helton's a, a, a Hall of Famer in my opinion. So Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, they will join Jim Leland in the class of 2024. Yeah, I, I I feel bad for Gary Sheffield. I, I don't understand why. Um, well, I do know why, because they're lumping him in somehow to steroids, um, but with really no evidence. But And he got 63.9%, and that was his 10th and final year on the ballot. Uh, Beltre is a no-brainer. I, I mean, I guess there's arguments to be made for the other guys to get in. Once Scott Rowland went in last year... Certainly, if Scott Rowland's in, I guess, yes, Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer and probably Joe Maurer as well. So, I don't know. I I have, I am done questioning Hall of Famers. Uh, they they could, uh, who they put in, it, it is what it is at this point. Well, Maurer was a catcher and a three-time batting champion. I, I, I could see Maurer over a guy like Scott Rowland, although, again, I, you know, Rowland was very questionable. Todd Helton, at first, I didn't think. But then again, I looked back and I saw those numbers. I took a deep dive into the numbers. And I said, yeah, I think, I think he's a Hall of Famer. But Sheffield's a Hall of Famer. There's a lot of guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame because of, again, their alleged association with steroids, some more than others, that aren't in. They're not on the ballot anymore. It'll take the Veterans Committee one day, allowing them in. So I, I feel bad for Sheffield. But again, Wagner... Now, Wagner's on the ballot again for next year, right? That wasn't his 10th year or anything like that. So yeah, he'll, he'll get in next He year. should get in next year. But next year, you got Ichiro. And is CC Sabathia a Hall of Famer? Sure. <laughs> again, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm. One guy has soured your taste, huh? Well, it's, not, it's just, again, I, like, I mean, at least Joe Maurer won an MVP award, I guess. You know, I get, in the Todd Helton situation, they, they're making big judgments about, steroid guys or anything else, well, he played his whole his whole career in Colorado. How much did that inflate his numbers? No, you're right. And Maurer hit 306 in a 15-year career while catching. He only had 2,100 hits, so nothing near 3,000, but it's 3,000 is not the number you have to have. Only so many have 3,000. And he wasn't a power hitter, only 143 home runs. He joined Johnny Bench and Pudge Rodriguez as the only catchers to be voted into the Hall of Fame in their first year of eligibility. As far as uh, Beltre is concerned, look, one of the great third basemen of all time. But for any of you youngins out there listening, do not even go near Mike Schmidt and tell me Adrian Beltre is better. Mike Schmidt's the greatest third baseman that ever played the game. Ever. There's no argument. I know George Brett was great. I know Brooks was great. The best defensive third baseman ever. I know Eddie Matthews was great. I know Chipper Jones was great. Mike Schmidt's the greatest third baseman to ever play. But it doesn't take away from Adrian Beltre. He was fantastic and obviously the voters thought so as well got 95 percent of the vote so there you go that's the class of 2024 and again they join jim leland i wonder if jim leland's still uh smoking cigarettes like uh a pack at a time like he did as a manager i'm sure he is he's hung in there man good for him crazy yeah that guy (laughs) the videos of him just smoking those those death sticks in a full in a nine innings game. Oh my god! Nice. Probably more than a pack, man. He was a he was a chain smoker uh, with the best of them. All right, we'll take a timeout. That'll do it for hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, we'll be busy. Andy Borman on the Tigers as they try to bounce back in a big way. They got UAB Sunday on the road. 
They have lost two straight. Jerry Palm will join us from CBSSports.com. That'll be at 825. We'll talk Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole at 905. That's what's ahead on Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.